Dusty and Daniel is dead. Long live the tabletop Tim. That's right. I forged some signatures and got D and Daniel legally declared dead. That'll teach him in his mischief. Thanks to our patrons, Hedwig, Carlo, and the socialist Hobgoblin. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We have such sights to show you. Hello, and welcome to the Probably Bad Podcast, a podcast which is definitely bad. I'm Pencil. I'm Paper. Today's Probably Bad RPG idea is... You play Hitmen, but halfway through find out the setting is a generic horror world. Now you have to deal with the fact that anyone you kill comes back as a wrathful ghost, and now everywhere in the setting is haunted by people who hate you. I, I feel like this time we're, we're starting out with something I would genuinely enjoy. Yeah. Like this, it's feel it feels like an indie video game that would do very well for like a week. Like I feel like in a lot of settings, people like really gloss over the fact that if someone dies in an awful enough way, there's a non-negligible chance they will come back as a super powerful abomination. Mm. Like I feel that is something that should have more impact on the world history than it does. Yeah, like even in something relatively um what's the word like straightforward in a lot of yeah, ways yeah. like some like D D, you've you've got revenants like if if your players massacre someone in a horrible enough way or fail to save them from some horrible fate bring them back as a revenant trust me it's a fun time because like i mean D D has like However, like however many monster mounds it has now full of, and if you kill someone in this way, they might come back as this horrific thing. And I feel like you know, organized crime is going to start running into the problem fairly rapidly of like revenants. Oh yeah, if you if you go reservoir dogs on someone, they're coming back. The government is going to run very rapidly into the problem of revenants. Like, camp communism is brought in by just armies of the dead rising from their graves. Like, I weirdly like the idea of a setting that's become, like, a borderline utopia simply because if you start, like, exploiting people, there is a progressively higher and higher chance that a ghost is going to pull your spine out. Yeah, because I guess if if there's a 1% chance... That someone you kill in a horrifying manner will come back and destroy you. If you kill a hundred people, one of them is gonna come for you. Yeah. So here's so here's why the undead are good, actually. Um, <laughs> like, I feel there is a genuinely very credible setting here about. I weirdly like the idea of like. You're in, like, you know, your standard fantasy, standard, like, medieval generic fantasy setting. Everything is mm-hmm. feudalism. Most people are serfs who die at the age of 40, um, et cetera, et cetera. And what you're trying to do is open a portal to the negative elemental plane to bring the undead into existence so as to stop feudalism. So we're, we're talking a peasant's revolt but with everyone that died as well as everyone who's alive. Yeah, like a peasant's revolt, but with armies of, like, a 
think we're, what we're discussing here is communist necromancers, which is a thing I am 100% in favour of. It's going in the title. Yeah. See, we've got a method here with the podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so you've got communist necromancers. And they're just bringing up back all of the dead who were killed by, like, austerity. And now they're going to eat Boris Johnson. Uh, not, of course, we have anything yes. else to show UK government, um, legally speaking. I like the idea of, as well, having kind of a twist for the players where they're like, okay, we've got to take down this terrible lich who's running the country now. And as they go through it and deal with the various lower level undead, they're like, wait, this, this lich was killed by having his benefits cut and now wants to implement fully automated luxury communism? Yeah. Sure, let's switch sides. Like, I think the undead get a bad rap, and I hope you all enjoyed this podcast of Mod Pencil explains why she's so pro-undead. But, <laughs> like, because, you know, they're just, like, I mean, partly just the undead coming back as, like, friends. I'm a revenant of my unfinished business is to hug my friends. I'm I like the idea bored. of it happening with pets as well. Like, if, if, your pet, if your pet gets run over, they just come back as a zombie who really hates cars. <laughs> It was just like car driving as 14 undead dogs chase it down, shooting rays of frost at it. Okay, but now that I say it. Yeah. In a world where revenants exist, there should be animal revenants because people yeah. are really awful to animals. Yeah, so we stopped poverty, we stopped animal cruelty, we stopped oppression, and, you know, these undead is a really great idea. I. This is going to be like the Origins episode once I become like a Lich Queen, but <laughs> I, I I support your undead utopia and would like to sign up. Yeah, I yeah. So yes, I do feel I need to be like you know revenants and ghosts whose unfinished business is something like you know. I would like I would like a little smooch on the forehead or something. But going back to the way that the actual idea treats it, hmm. it does also feel like a good way to deal with murder hobo characters. Yeah. Like, I feel like genuinely, if every time you kill a character, you roll a 1d100, on a 1, it comes back as a ref. You've successfully, like, disincentivized, like, murder hoboing. Yeah, because they're, they're just going to have to fight you again. Hmm. And if you kill a revenant, you roll the dice again, there's a 100% chance that comes back as a meta-revenant. Um, we really can't go back to meta-ghosts. No, this is meta-revenants, they're different. Um, so what, what are the attributes of a meta-revenant? So a revenant wants to get revenge on his murderer, that's his thing. Um, a meta-revenant wants to get like revenge on the series of events that led up to its murder. Uh, it's got a higher level of like understanding of um, cause and effect. So meta. Okay, so a, so a regular revenant just kills the killer. Yeah. A meta revenant deals with deprivation and desperation and social inequality that leads people to commit crimes. Yes, and a meta 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 revenant uh, attempts to reshape the laws of physics so things can't die anymore. I'm into it. Like, as a revenant gets brought back more and more, it just gets a broader and broader, like, definition of who constitutes responsible for its murder. 
a meta, 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 meta revenant sets out to kill all psychopomps, which is tricky. Yeah. And the meta, 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 meta revenant sets out to beat up the GM so they can't run the game anymore. <laughs> Just appears fully formed at the GM's door like, hi, I would like a word. So... Like, I realise it is literally unplayable, but I do love the idea of... <laughs> literally. I did a finger gun, but none of you can see it, because this is a podcast. <laughs> but yeah, like, monsters that could just attack you IRL, which I think is, like, non-consensual LARPing, which I think is assault. But... I do also like the, the general idea of playing a hitman in a horror setting. Yeah. Because the, the amount of tools that you would have to gather and, like, what if the the client doesn't know that the target is some sort of supernatural creature? So it's just like, yeah, just, just shoot him in the head or whatever. And it, it's you do it. And then the head just sort of reforms. And the guy's just like, who was that? I'm taking you down. Who did it? Come on, own up. I'm not cops. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> Like, like one one sort of I can't remember I heard this, but one plot idea I saw was just you're a hitman and you kill someone, but they've got some supernatural thing where they resurrect each night, so you just have to keep re-hitmanning them. I feel like you should ask for extra pay for that. Yeah. Like I guess like, keep... maybe that's more of like a salaried hitman position where you're paid to keep that person dead. Yeah, which weirdly does also make sense in worlds of like resurrection and travel to the afterlife and undead and stuff. You got your standard hitmen who just kill people, and then you got your mega hitmen who make sure that like the person actually stays dead. Well, yeah, I mean, even in in sort of your standard vampire mythology, yeah. You know, you can pay someone to stake them once, or you can give someone a salary to sit by the coffin every night and stake them as soon as they try and get up. Hmm. Then a mega, mega, mega hitman kills the GM so they can no longer keep them in the game. I also, I also do the idea of a big bad whose motivation is to stop the GM running the game. I always like to call it my player character. Um... I mean, in a way... Aren't you describing the game The End of the World? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Where, for those who are unaware, the first thing that happens is the apocalypse kills the DM. Yeah, it is a game set where you are yourself in the apocalypse, and the first thing that happens is, yeah, the DM immediately dies. Which I feel should be the case in all games. Just anywhere, like, you all meet up in a tavern... And this guy called Steve, who looks exactly like me, just dropped dead for no reason. Anyway. You arrive on a space station in the year 3000, just as I personally am flung out the airlock. <laughs> I don't know why I called myself Steve in that scenario. It's just our go-to name. Yeah, um, eventually we shall all become Steve in the great Steve uprising. You arrive in a tavern as that guy from Minecraft is killed. So, the undead are good, actually, is to take away from this episode of the podcast. Apparently it is.
Hi, I'm Hazel and I present the Bread and Thread podcast with Liz, also known as Paper from Probably Bad. Um, Bread and Thread is a podcast about food history and domestic history and generally social history. We delve into a lot of different things. So if you'd like to know which country has laws against importing sheep, what cookbook will tell you how to make a great martini and also how to survive a nuclear bomb attack, uh, or why you are using a fork right now, then come over to Bread and Thread and give us a listen. You can find us on Spotify or wherever else podcasts are, I don't know. Um, so our first question is from, uh, pardon my Spanish book, Quechucha. Um who sent us a very long question that I pasted into Google Docs and it was half a page, so I have paraphrased it. Um, please do not send us messages about cutting down your question. It was very long. I'm running a real-world campaign set in my home city and I'm struggling to make monsters fit in, e.g. Oka Ooze in the form of a guy that sells off-brand toys in the subway. How far can I go without making it not feel like D&D anymore? Okay, so step one, you need necromancer communist. Um, like, I really like the idea of D&D, but it's just the monsters are just like, you know, here's a bunch of bugbears, they do tax fraud. Like, you need to stop the monsters, but the crimes they're doing are just incredibly white-collar middle-class crimes. I'm going to be honest, I'm curious why this ochre ooze off-brand toy seller had to die. Like was what? was was he doing some evil ooze stuff as well as sell as selling off brand toys? Because you did not say. Uh, you work for like um, Mattel, um, and you're shutting down competitors. Ah, it's an evil campaign. Got it. Like, I do weirdly love the idea of like you know whatever generic saw and knockoff it is enters our dimension and just starts selling bootleg DVDs. <laughs> Just really powerful evil monsters, but they're doing really trivial things. So yeah, I yeah, think... I mean, the, there's definitely things that you could do that are low-level evil. Like, I don't know, maybe if you increase the, the level of background evil in the world enough, something magical happens and Sauron does come back. Uh, increase the amount of background evil in the world and something magical will happen mod paper 2021 um, I feel like two ways to sort of do this way number one is kind of shadow run approach of like oh you've got a pit fiend and it is running a big company with all of its like devil minions and you need to break into the company and like stop it doing evil shit mm-hmm. um, and at that point you you have a sort of more espionage-style dungeon run, but it's still a dungeon run. Um, the other approach, I guess, is sort of more along the lines of, oh no, there's a dragon in the supermarket storage room. Somebody go stop it. Yeah, I, like, I, I feel like there's kind of a core flaw with the question, with how far can I go to without making it not feel like D&D anymore. Like, 
is that a problem if it doesn't feel like a standard D and D thing? Because if you if you're using the D and D rule set, I feel like you're still playing D and D. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think there are ways to do D and D ways to do your standard dungeon crawl in a Monday settings, basically. Mm -hmm. Aha! Instead of a spooky dungeon, we've entered a military base. Um, but yeah, I think like. Yeah, I think a modern day one is going to be a sort of not like a standard D and D thing, just by virtue of what's happening in it. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea. But there is also the thing of, you know, other RPG systems exist, and maybe a different one would be more suited to what you're doing, like Shadowrun. Yeah, or like something like Monster of the Week or Fate, where it's a lot more. Open to the DM, kind of doing whatever it is they want to do. Yeah, like, like you yeah, can I still think... use these sorts of monsters because most of them are taken from mythology anyway. Yeah, or think... folklore or something like that. It's just a question of: Are you particularly attached to using D and D mechanics for this? I think yeah. If you're going for modern day dungeon crawls, then yeah, D and D will still work. Um, and yeah, and a hypothetical book distribution company has turned evil and is being run by liches, although not the good liches who are doing communism, these ones are the bad liches. Capitalist liches. Yes, um, you've got the capitalist liches and the communist liches, and you need to fight like a war between them. Sorry, I just, sorry, I just love the idea of oozes running organised crime. Like, you know, take them to the boss and then they just bring you into a room with a gelatinous cube with a fedora. Um, yeah, it's like it's, instead of drowning you in the sea, they just kind of push you into the boss. Yeah. I, I want to know if the gelatinous cube is very intelligent or if it's still as mindless as a normal gelatinous cube and all of the organised crime-like instructions just pareidolia based on its, like, jiggling. I feel like what it is, is... The, the gelatinous cube was adopted as whatever the baby form is called by, like, a regular crime boss. A uh, gelatinous now, square. Now that it's become 3D, um, it's inherited the job, possibly mm. by bumping off its adopted parent. Who knows? It's just, um, it's just a but it's not particularly competent in. at it, but because it was the heir, no one dares to question it, and mm. they just kind of go along with it, mostly doing their own thing and just saying, like, oh, yeah, it's it's all for the boss, definitely. Yeah, um, it's got a little Tommy gun floating inside it, um, and that's what it used to shoot people. Uh, yeah, gelatinous cubes start off as a gelatinous dot, then they become a line, then they become a square, and then finally they become a cube. That's why you need to clean up all spilled jelly immediately. If you leave it yes, long enough, yes. it will become a gelatinous cube. And then take over organised crime. Mm. But yes, I think like... So yeah, our answers are either run a sort of Monday dungeon crawl in like a government base or secret facility or something, try Monster of the Week, or have a large pile of jelly run the mafia. Some of these are not mutually exclusive. You could do Monster True. of the Week and still have a large pile of jelly run the Mafia. 
just a gelatinous cube comes at you and it just hops in a car and chases you down in the car. I, I just want to see someone try and tailor a, a fancy suit for a, for a cube. Like, would you still give it arms as like an, a respect it just, thing? It just would it be less side. respectful to give it arms, you know? Yeah, this is this is cube territory. Do cubes require trousers? Or do they just have sort of a pinstripe sheet? I like to do like, you know, it's a pinstripe soup and it's just a pinstripe suit. And it's just got a gelatinous cube just like squeezed into it. And then during combat, it just bursts out. Well, this is my thinking, because it would be difficult to tailor it. Mm. I guess because it would you'd, be like... you'd try and measure the cube and your tape measure would just start sinking into I it. I guess it would be a gelatinous like tent. No, a pinstripe tent. I mean, I feel like it would have to also be gelatinous. Yes. Just stick some stripy jelly on the side. Like, yeah, it's it's a great suit, boss. You you look sharp and dapper. Yeah, it just makes a happy burbling noise. <laughs> like, oh no, you made it cute. Because like the thing is, because he doesn't really know what it's doing, it's just randomly shaking. Like, Tommy gun inside it just goes off at random points when the jelly happens to like press against the trigger. So they've just got this happy, bubbling, gelatinous cube in a pinstripe suit and fedora randomly shooting at the walls. And if it gets you, you know, that's just a sign that the boss is angry. Yeah. Um, it's just how it is. You call him Cubie Steve. Trying to decipher what the cube is trying to say from the pattern of bullet holes in the wall. I think we've come up here is with a really interesting, like, cult. <laughs> like, the Messiah has returned, but is in the body of a gelatinous cube, and everyone is just like, well, I guess, guess we're worshipping this now, let's try and decipher what it's saying. That's an RPG idea right there. Yeah. Um, I, I hope we helped. Certainly like gelatinous cubes. Our, last, our next question. Is anonymous. How do you choose bonds, flaws, etc., for your characters? So I don't. Ah, question ended. Yeah, I mean, I tend to not as well, just because I I tend to have. I see them as more of a role playing guide rather than something your characters need. Like it's it's useful when you don't have. If you're either very new to role playing or if you don't have a solid idea of what your character's personality is already. Yeah. Like, yeah, I usually use them if I've got to that point and I don't know what my character is like. Yeah, and there's, you know, there's obviously there's rolling the on the tables of ones for your background and stuff like that. One thing that I've done in the past actually is so I I have a notebook where I write down sort of quotes that I find funny or interesting. Mm. A lot of them are those sort of surprisingly deep quotes that turn out to be from Halo and things. Mm. And mm. if I don't, if the ones in the background don't particularly appeal to me, I'll just sort of pick some randomly out of there and just interpret them. Yeah, so I think, yeah, when I do choose bonds, 
like yeah i generally do choose them rather than roll them unless i am absolutely lost on the character which i usually am because i'm not very good at role playing but not true no self this i yeah like i think ah what do i think my flaw, in case you're wondering, IRL, is that I can't talk for more than 30 seconds before devolving into some kind of, like, Muppet-style beaker routine. Yeah, well, this is a, this is a pro-Muppet podcast, so that's not actually an insult. Um, right. Yes. Nick, edit things so I sound competent. But yeah, I think, like... I think a lot of cases, bonds and flaws should probably, like, come more organically, well, hey, from the, um, like, original character concept. Yeah, kind of looking at the character you've made, because they come with your background so that, as, as a sort of rules as written, so they tend to be one of the last things you do. Yeah. So kind of looking at the sort of the character that you've made and kind of going okay but why why are they like this yeah and then you can get an idea of have like you know if you've got an otherwise very compassionate healy person if you have they consider this group of people to be like um utterly irredeemable like it can be useful to like sort of bring that into the thing and be like okay so why is that why is this such a difference from them why is my character medical racism yeah. Like, you know, if if you get a bond or something that's very, very different from the way your character normally acts, like it can be useful to be a kind of why why are they why is this one thing such an exception to their normal behaviour? Yeah. It's also honestly worth looking at the tables for like other things. Cause your character is not just this one situation that they've been in like for example if you're looking at the urchin one the urchin background and you can't see anything that particularly appeals but you either can't or don't want to think of a whole new one think about what they might have done while they were being an urchin you know were they on their own or were they doing crimes and then you can look at the other backgrounds and try and find something else that'll fit them Mm. Sorry, I accidentally did the good advice. That's not what this is. Uh, So what what you need to do is figure out what the other players' IRL bonds and flaws are and just use those so your character is an elaborate roast towards everyone else in the the group. I mean, honestly, again, it's not a bad idea to just kind of think of here is a fictional character that I would like this character to be like. What's their personality like? Except in this case, the fictional character is your GM. I mean, aren't we all fictional characters? What What is the self if not an elaborate construct? Uh, myself is actually an elaborate aberration. Fair enough. But yes. I feel like we have come up with some... So, yeah, I think... I think there's not really a lot of bad advice we can give here. Like, I don't think there's really a bad way to give your characters bonds and flaws. 
Like, as long as your bonded flaws aren't like, you know, I refuse to go on any adventures. Um, my character has sworn an oath never to follow any plot hooks presented to them. Like, Well, yeah, I mean, you, you could even just put the same basic thought in all four boxes. Mm. Yeah, because like, then it's just like it's almost like emphasizing different parts of that thought. Yeah, like I feel like so one of my genuine character things is I think that like the discussion of vis-a-vis like characters need to have flaws isn't necessarily like the best way of looking at it. Like you can have a character who's, you know, say deeply honorable, and that could be a flaw in certain situations, and it could be entirely like beneficial in other ones and likewise your character being very unscrupulous and like there's very few traits that are just straightforwardly flawed mm-hmm. um, and very few traits are just straightforwardly benefits well, it's um, almost like job interviews isn't it it's like what's your biggest weakness yeah okay so there's one put as your character's flaw that they're too much of a perfectionist I- my character is not satisfied until their job is done. My character's greatest flaw is an unsa- uh, um, unwavering faith in uh, late-stage capitalism. <laughs> well, there we go. We got a bad idea out of it. You, we, you, do, we, you don't need to cancel the podcast. Excellent. Um, if you would like to do the opposite of cancelling the podcast, which is giving us money... Um, we're on Patreon. <laughs> Sorry, that was the worst segue yet. <laughs> <laughs> the worst segue so far. <laughs> we're on Patreon, as probably bad RPG ideas. If you want access to bonus episodes, such as roasting the most anti-SJW RPG of all time, um, or homebrew, such as a wild magic-focused ranger, Or you just want to hear Dean Daniel, the voice of the podcast, say your name. Um, throw throw us some money to keep the podcast going. I I spent some of last month's Patreon money on a mobility aid. It's great. Um, if you have a question, you can send it to us on Tumblr, uh, probably bad RPG ideas, or email probably bad podcast at gmail If you want merch. We're on Redbubble as probably bad, and we're also on Twitter as bad probably. Uh, so thank you for and listening, and remember to have a probably bad day. <laughs>